Hello and welcome to the Luxembourg History Podcast, brought to you by RTL Today. My name's Tom Tutton and I'm your host for our first series. Today we're looking at the dramatic rise and fall of the House of Luxembourg. We'll examine how the orphaned Henry VII ended up becoming Holy Roman Emperor, how the house reached its apogee of power under Charles IV, and how it all fell apart under the reign of the mighty Sigismund, leading to Luxembourg's takeover by the great dynasties of Europe. We hope you'll enjoy the podcast. Now you might not have known it, but the House of Luxembourg was once one of the most powerful dynasties of Europe, rivaling the Habsburgs and Wittelbachs for control of the Holy Roman Empire. And three of its members would make it to the top of the medieval game, being crowned Holy Roman Emperor in Rome. So let's start by asking, what on earth was the medieval polity known as the Holy Roman Empire? Well, it's extremely hard to say. As Voltaire famously quipped, it was neither holy nor Roman nor an empire. The first person to be crowned Holy Roman Emperor was the Frankish King Charlemagne in 800, but the empire soon came to reign over mostly parts of modern-day Germany, Czechia, Austria, Italy and the Netherlands. Now, it was never a strong political structure. Rather, it was a loose term for the constellation of kingdoms, duchies, counties, prince bishoprics and free imperial cities that existed in medieval Central Europe. The Holy Roman Emperor was elected by seven prince electors and coronated by the Pope. These electors were the archbishops of Trier, Mainz and Cologne, the Count Palatina of the Rhine, the King of Bohemia, the Duke of Saxony and the Margrave of Brandenburg. So in practice, if you could get support from just four of the seven electors, and often with a good bribe, you could get yourself named as King of the Romans, also known as King of Germany. Then, once you were crowned by the Pope or one of his subordinates, you became the Holy Roman Emperor, a prestigious title which didn't grant that much political power, but did ensure you would be remembered by school textbooks and the Luxembourg History Podcast, so I guess it was probably worth it. So how did Henry VII rise to become the first Holy Roman Emperor of the House of Luxembourg? Well, we learnt a bit about him in our episode on the early medieval county of Luxembourg. Henry was the great-grandson of the legendary Ermesinde, but that wasn't of much use to him when his father and all his uncles were killed at the bloody Battle of Warringen in 1288. He was just 13 when he became the Count of Luxembourg, but he turned out to be a wise ruler, keeping Luxembourg at peace for most of his early reign and achieving a notable success when he managed to get his brother Baldwin chosen as Archbishop Elector of Trier in 1307 and this would draw him into the wider politics of the Holy Roman Empire. When the King of the Romans, Albert I, was murdered by his own nephew in 1308, the electors came together to find a replacement. The French King Philip wanted to expand France's influence in the empire, so he nominated his brother Charles as a candidate, while the Habsburg family wanted one of their own to be chosen. Seeking to keep the French out of German affairs while not granting too much power to the Habsburgs, the electors sought to find a third candidate and with his brother Baldwin backing him strongly, Henry VII of Luxembourg was elected King of the Romans in 1308. Since 1245, however, an ongoing dispute about the power of the papacy between the Pope and the various kings of the Romans had meant that none of them had been coronated as Holy Roman Emperor. Henry VII, though, managed to change this by promising to respect the Pope's rights and agreeing to go on a crusade after his coronation. And thus, in 1312, Henry VII became the first Holy Roman Emperor of the House of Luxembourg, a title which he enjoyed for all of 13 months before he caught malaria and died. Now the next Luxembourg to rise to the top was Charles I of Luxembourg, better known as Charles IV. He was the grandson of Henry VII and the son of John the Blind of Schubefer fame. 
His father John had become King of Bohemia, and Charles inherited that title when John was killed by the British at the Battle of Cressy in 1346. With the support of the Pope, he was elected as a sort of rival King of the Romans in opposition to Louis IV, the Holy Roman Emperor, in 1346. Then, Louis IV died in 1347, paving the way for Charles to be fully recognised as King of the Romans. But his coronation was delayed by the Black Death, an outbreak of the bubonic plague which killed around half of Europe in the mid-14th century. Yeah, so step-down coronavirus. Despite his family name, Charles had had very little to do with the County of Luxembourg. So in 1353, he decided to give it to his brother Wenceslaus, and as a parting gift, he elevated the territory to a duchy. Finally, in 1355, Charles was elected Holy Roman Emperor, and he ruled really quite successfully until his death in 1378. The last Luxembourg to become Holy Roman Emperor, ironically enough, was never actually the ruler of the newly created Duchy of Luxembourg. Sigismund was the son of Charles IV by his fourth wife, and he racked up titles like there was no tomorrow. Starting off as merely the Prince Elector of Brandenburg in 1378, aged 10, he went on to become King of Hungary and Croatia in 1387, King of the Romans from 1411, King of Bohemia in 1419, and King of Italy in 1431. It would take him a long time to become Holy Roman Emperor, however, because there was a great dispute between various competing popes known as the Western Schism from 1378 to 1417. Sigismund was then busy in the 1410s and 1420s fighting basically anyone he could find across Europe, from Poles and Turks to Hussites, Venetians and French. Finally, in 1433 he got round to getting himself crowned Holy Roman Emperor, before dying, presumably of exhaustion, in 1437. Rather remarkably, Sigismund and his brothers Wenceslaus and John of Gerlitz had no male heirs, and thus the male line of the House of Luxembourg became extinct in 1437. The Luxembourg dynasty collapsed as quickly as it had risen, and the Luxembourgs would rule Europe no more. But let's backtrack a bit and try to find out what was going on in the Duchy of Luxembourg while its most famous sons were crusading around Europe. Well, unfortunately, the rise of the House of Luxembourg turned out to be a disaster for Luxembourg itself, which suffered from a century of turmoil from 1383 to 1482, as it gradually became a pawn of the great dynasties of Europe. Remember old Wenceslaus I, brother of Charles IV and the first Duke of Luxembourg? He was a bit of a poet in his spare time, which was nice, but it didn't make of him a great medieval duke. Wenceslaus was a bad soldier, being captured and imprisoned for 11 months in 1371, and he died childless, possibly of leprosy, in 1383. Luxembourg then passed to his nephew Wenceslaus II, the King of Bohemia and a son of Charles IV. Wenceslaus II was extremely busy trying to get himself elected Holy Roman Emperor, so in 1388 he decided to pawn Luxembourg, that is to temporarily sell it to raise funds until he could buy it back, to his cousin Jobst of Moravia. Jobst was also far too ambitious to bother with Luxembourg and he never set foot in the duchy, which returned to Wenceslaus II at Jobst's death in 1411. Still totally uninterested in Luxembourg due to his position as King of Bohemia, Wenceslaus II once again pawned the duchy over to his niece Elizabeth of Gorlitz and her husband Anthony of Brabant and Bourgogne for 120,000 florins, which sounds pretty impressive. When Wenceslaus II finally died in 1419, the duchy nominally passed over to his brother Sigismund. Yes, that's the Holy Roman Emperor we were just talking about. At this point, Sigismund didn't actually have the funds to buy Luxembourg back from his niece Elizabeth, so he left it in her hands. So who was this Elizabeth of Gorlitz, who's now in control of Luxembourg? 
Well, she was the granddaughter of Charles IV, but she had been born in Czechlands and was a stranger in the duchy. This made her rather unpopular, and her first husband, Anthony of Brabant, had to help her put down three rebellions by local noblemen, but then he went and got killed by the British at the Battle of Agincourt in 1415. Elizabeth of Gorlitz then married John III of Bavaria, known as the Pitiless, but he also went and died by 1425. She somehow managed to hang on to the Grand Duchy throughout the nominal reigns of Wenceslaus II and Sigismund, but by the late 1430s she faced opposition from Sigismund's descendants, who had the legal claim to the territory. Now Sigismund had been too busy fighting everyone in Europe to have too many children, but he did manage to father one daughter, really unhelpfully also called Elizabeth of Luxembourg. This Elizabeth had married the Habsburg Albert of Austria, and when Sigismund finally died at the grand old age of 69 in 1437, Albert fought to succeed him as King of Germany, Bohemia and Hungary. Albert and Elizabeth were the legal claimants of Luxembourg and wanted to challenge Elizabeth of Gorlitz, who only held the territory in pawn, but Albert died in 1439. The next claimant was William of Saxony, who was betrothed to Albert and Elizabeth's seven-year-old daughter Anne of Luxembourg in 1439. Meanwhile, back in Luxembourg itself, Elizabeth of Gorlitz was still in power, but facing opposition from every side and heavily in debt, she tried to sell the duchy to Philip the Good, Duke of Burgundy. This provoked yet another rebellion in Luxembourg against her, and she was forced to flee in 1441. At this point, Luxembourg was occupied by the claimant William, aged 16, and his now nine-year-old fiancée, Anne of Luxembourg. But not for long, because the Burgundians were after it. Who were these Burgundians, I hear you ask? Well, the Duchy of Burgundy was a large and influential territory in the Middle Ages which often rivalled the Kingdom of France. By the 15th century, the Burgundians had acquired most of the provinces of the Low Countries through purchase, war or marriage, effectively creating the Netherlands. They wanted to take control of Luxembourg as a step towards the territorial unification of their realm. Philip the Good was thus furious when Luxembourg was occupied by William of Saxony, undoing his good work in persuading Elizabeth of Gorlitz to sell him the duchy. So he set about attacking the fortress of Luxembourg, which was seen as an impossible task. But in 1443, in possibly the most exciting night out in Luxembourgish history, the Burgundian troops scaled the walls of the fortress in a surprise night attack and took the city. For the next 40 years, Luxembourg would remain in Burgundian hands, but this was not a peaceful time in the region. Philip faced rebellions in the neighbouring Prince Bishopric of Liège, which were put down with extreme cruelty. Then, his son Charles the Bold fought a series of conflicts known as the Burgundian Wars, until he was killed by Swiss mercenaries at the Battle of Nancy in 1477. His death extinguished the male Burgundian line, and his daughter Mary I, known as the Rich due to her extensive lands, was married to the Habsburg Maximilian I. At Mary's death from a horse-riding accident in 1482, her territories passed to her four-year-old son Philip, who later married the heiress to the Kingdom of Castile. Luxembourg had thus passed to the Spanish Habsburgs, but that's the story for another day. That's all we've got for today. Thank you for listening, and I hope you'll join us for the next episode of the Luxembourg History Podcast. This episode was written, adapted, and hosted by Thomas Tutton, produced by Martin Johnson, and brought to you by RTL Today. Hello, Josh here with some corrections to the credits. This episode was written by Thomas Tutton and produced by Theodor Georgiev. That's it. Tom will be back next week with another episode.